much to carry Let me tell you about my Jesus Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing And you're desperate for some healing Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can save Let me tell you about my Jesus His love is strong and his grace is free And the good news is I know that he Can do for you what he's done for me Let me tell you about my Jesus And let my Jesus change your life Until the past to disappear oh, Let me tell you about my Jesus And all the wrong turns that you would Going on to if you could Who can work it out for your good Let me tell you about my Jesus He makes a way where there ain't no way Rises up from an empty grave Ain't no sinner that he can save Let me tell you about Hallelujah. So good to be here. Love praising Jesus together. Uh, if you'll turn to your Bibles in page, page 1354, Colossians 3. Page 1354, Colossians 3. 
And we're thankful that um, Linda's here today. That's always a good day. And we are uh, keeping Bill and Kathy in mind as they are traveling. If you'll keep them in your prayers um, for safe traveling. And we are don't have it much more prayer requests, so that's a good day. Amen. Okay, chapter 3, verse 1, page 1354. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have set aside this time that we can come and be together and worship you to experience our spiritual family in togetherness. Thank you, Father, for your word, for the privilege of prayer, and for your admonishment, your encouragement, Father, your teaching us and pruning us. It may be painful at times, but there is freedom and, and rejoicing on the other side. We pray for Deborah, who brings your word this morning, Father. May it be a rich message and penetrate our hearts. May we listen with spiritual ears and maybe be willing to change where we see need to change. Be with us this week as we go forth, Father, that we may be a testimony and a glory and reflect your glory to all the others around us. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.
This is my worship, this is my offering, in every moment, I withhold nothing, I'm learning to trust you, even when I can't see it, and even in suffering, I have to believe say it's wrong then I'll say no 
you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you say be still, then I will wait. If you say to trust, I will obey. You're the only truth of life, the way I'm done chasing feeling. darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Praise forever to the 
morning that you rose all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the father are restored the church of Christ was born, then the spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel, true the Lord, shall not kneel and shall not fade. And by his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has risen. Well, we're going to continue in the book of John, in the Gospel John. So if you'll turn with me, we're going to be on chapter, in chapter 16, it's on page 1243 this morning. 
page 1243, chapter 16 of John. The last couple of weeks we've been studying in the uh, book of John chapter 15 and we saw where Jesus is talking in the last, in fact the last several weeks we've been talking in a place where Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room for Passover and he's been having this conversation and even though it's gone on for several weeks for us it was all within a short period of time in, a, in the few hours that they spent together. And so Jesus is continuing that conversation. We want to remember that he was talking about in chapter 15 that he was calling the disciples to understand this place of abiding in him, of being connected to the vine. And he said that in order to be connected in the vine, uh, to the vine, that we had to love one another. And so then he began to teach that in order to fulfill this commandment of loving one another, that he would send a helper. In fact, let's just look at that. It's uh, chapter 15, verse 26, just above chapter 16 there, it says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you remember we talked about that, that Jesus is sending this helper to help us, to help the disciples to fulfill this command of loving one another and in that place it would testify of who he is of his love for the world then I want you to look at chapter 14 so one page back chapter 14 verse oh no I'm sorry just across the page verse 15 Starting in verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And Jesus was uh, telling them in this place that if they show their love to him by keeping his commandments. And he said in verse 16, I will pray the Father, and he will give you a helper, another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And so again, Jesus is talking to the disciples in the same understanding of if you love him, that you should keep his commandments. And in order to do that, he is sending the helper, the Holy Spirit, the helper. I love this understanding of a helper. It means one that is called to walk alongside. So Jesus is telling the disciples over and over that night is that he's not going to leave them orphans, but he is going to leave. And in this place, he's going to send this helper. <clears throat> Excuse me today. So uh, let's look on down on chapter 15 to verse 26. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Maybe I'll have a quick drink. Let's see if that'll help a little bit. These allergies today, huh? Okay, verse, chapter 14, verse 26. <clears throat> it says, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So Jesus is helping them to understand the wonderful power of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to continue and looking in chapter 16 as he has been talking to his disciples in this place that the world would hate them, but they're to continue in this place of love. And as they continue in this place of love, he's letting them know ahead of time that this will happen so that they don't stumble. And then he starts today's message in verse 5. It says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart... I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So right off, Jesus is telling them that in this difficult place where they're going to be hated by the world, but they must continue in love. And he's telling them this so that they will not stumble. And here he is saying, I know your hearts are filled with sorrow. I cannot imagine if how it would be that they have been with Jesus for three years. They have learned to see that he is truly the Christ, the Messiah. And they believe that he is the King of Kings. As we were singing that song, I thought, yes, I love that song, the King of Kings. And as they were looking to him to overcome all of their difficult places. And then he says, I'm going to be going away. And so their hearts were filled with sorrow. I can, I can understand that, how they must have been just so deeply saddened that he was going to leave. But he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. And I'm sure they were shaking their heads and thinking, how could this be to our advantage? You are the Messiah you are the king of kings. You are the great I am. You are with us. You are walking with us. You are helping us daily. You are teaching us everything. How could it be to our advantage to go away? And Jesus says to them something he's been telling them all night, and that is, I'm going to send a helper. Sometimes this is translated comforter. Sometimes it's translated counselor. Sometimes it's translated the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Christ. Sometimes the spirit of God. And the reason for that is that is all true. This word encompasses all these understandings. 
but I like the word helper because I see that it fulfills every role. He's the one that will come. And it says, call to walk alongside. He's the one that is called to walk alongside of you in whatever your situation is, in whatever your needs are. But he goes on to help them to understand is that he's going to do many things. But one of the things that he's going to do, it says, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit is a helper. He's a counselor. He's a comforter. But he convicts. He convicts. Sometimes we might not recognize how powerful a function that that is of the Holy Spirit. But he goes on to help us to understand it by explaining in verse 9. He says, of sin, because they do not believe in me. He says, you see, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to help you. I'm going to send you out to share this good news, the gospel, with many nations and with many people. And he's going to help you because he's going to convict the world. He's going to convict men of sin. He convicted you. It's, it's interesting as we look at that verse 9, he says it's going to convict the world of sin. And then it explains that a little bit. It says, because they do not believe in me. That was a challenging place I began to see so clearly that that's exactly right, that people don't understand sin because they don't understand Jesus. We didn't understand the sin we were in because we didn't understand the holiness of who Jesus is, of who God is. And only through the work of the Holy Spirit are you able to see that the Holy Spirit would come and would begin to show you and convict you of the sin in your lives that would allow you to begin to see who he is. This is a spirit of unbelief that the Holy Spirit comes and overcomes that you might that you might see and you might believe. But he goes on to say that not only does he convict of sin, the world of sin, but he also says also of righteousness. Because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of righteousness. You see, the Holy Spirit comes and not only convicts us of the sin, that we're in, but it convicts us of the righteousness of who Jesus is, of who the Father is. So many times as, as I've talked to people, I've heard the same thing that was in my heart, and that was, I'm not such a bad person. You see, before I really surrendered my life to Jesus, 
I wasn't convicted of the sin that I lived in because I felt like my righteousness was enough. I was a pretty good person. I didn't murder anybody. I didn't really steal. I was really nice to most people. So in my eyes, I was righteous. But only through the power of the Holy Spirit convicting me of this sin and convicting me that my righteousness did not compare to God's holiness. It was not enough. Then he says, not only will it convict the world of sin, and not only will it convict the world of righteousness, but also of judgment. Because the ruler of this world is judged. You see, the Holy Spirit comes and it convicts us of our sin. But that may not be enough to turn your heart to Jesus. He may come and actually convict your heart of righteousness and how righteous he is. That means right standing with him. That Do you have right standing with God? And we have, like I said, oftentimes justified that in our goodness, but that's not it. You have to be in holiness with God. So even convicting you of sin might not be enough to turn your heart to him fully. Even understanding righteousness might not convict your heart. But the Holy Spirit does not stop there. It continues and it convicts the world of judgment. You see, Jesus is saying, it's not enough to just repent of sin. It's not even enough to see that you're not righteous. You have to recognize the fullness is that your sin, your unrighteousness, is deserving of judgment. He says, because even the ruler of this world is judged. Satan, he's saying at the cross... At the cross, right there, everything changes. And because of the enemy is judged at that point in time, everyone that is in alignment with him will be judged. And it all brings it front and center. Your sin your unrighteousness, you will be judged. I want to grab a couple of scriptures here that uh, help us to understand this. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians 2. It's on page 1328.
2 Corinthians 2, verse 15 and 16, it says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? So in this place of convicting the world of sin, the Holy Spirit does the convicting. It does. But Jesus also is going to send out his disciples who in turn will begin to spread the gospel and in turn will use all those who are surrendered to Jesus to transform the world, to help convict the world. And he's saying right here that not only will the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit in you, disciples, will be used to change the world. And so he's saying, for we, we, Paul is writing and he's saying, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In other words, the Holy Spirit uses the things in your life. To some, you are the aroma of death because they understand righteousness through your life. But then to some, you're the aroma of life leading to life, the aroma of life. So they would see their, their life in reflecting of your life and what the, a life without sin, what a life that understands you are not righteous in your own eyes or that you have nothing to stand before God with. the Holy Spirit will use these things in your life to convict the world. Look with me at another couple of scriptures here. Let's go to, oh yes, let's go to Ephesians 1. It's on page As we see that Jesus is talking about these places <clears throat> of understanding his death and his burial and his being raised from the dead and his ascending to the Father, to the disciples, and helping them to understand these places. He's looking at what Paul writes in verse 6 of Ephesians. Ephesians 1, it says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, he did this. He made this place through his sacrifice, through his righteousness. We cannot be accepted on our own goodness, on our own works, on the fact that we think we've done a pretty good job here. You're righteousness is filthy rags in fact i have a scripture for that let me just see i believe um 
I think we'll look at that in just a minute because I want to I want to talk about this a little bit more here. This place of being raised from the dead and of, of Jesus' sacrificial offering for your sins. But it's important to see in verse 6 here, it says that by his grace in which we've been made accepted in the, in the beloved, in Jesus. You know, it helps us to remember that Christ had to ascend. That that showed that his ransom, that his price had been accepted when he ascended to the Father. He was the first fruits. Remember, we've studied about the first fruits over and over again. And his righteousness was what was accepted. His ransom had been what was accepted for the Father. And that place is where we've been made accepted in Christ. Turn with me to uh, Philippians 3. It's on page 1350, just a few pages over, Philippians 3, page 1350. Starting in verse 8, it says, Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul saw that he had nothing, nothing of righteousness. And he goes on to say in verse 9, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts of sin, but he helps us to understand righteousness. You know, this word convicts is kind of like convincing. He not only comes and shows you this, but he, he works in your heart to convince you of your sin and your need for righteousness. And that's what Paul is saying right here. He said, everything I have is rubbish. Nothing is worth anything standing before holy God. But he says in verse 9, not having my own righteousness but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And then he tells us about judgment. Let's look at John 12, verse 31. I'll give you a page number. It's on page 1239. In the same conversation that Jesus is having with the disciples earlier in the conversation, he made this statement in verse 31. He says, now is the judgment of this world. You see, when his death 
and his resurrection happens, then the judgment is, is to happen. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So the judgment happened when Jesus paid the price and ascended of the ruler of this world. <clears throat> now, we look at that and we say, well, there's still a lot of evil going on and Satan still controls this world, and he does. But the judgment has been stamped. But it's kind of like in a courtroom when the, the defendant um, comes and um, the judgment has been declared but the sentence has not taken place yet. So that's kind of where we are, is the judgment has been declared, but the sentence has not been completed, completed yet. Let me give you a couple of scriptures on this too. Look at Colossians on page 1354. Colossians 2.15. Verse 15, Paul writes, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. He disarmed the principalities. He... Um, uh, this word disarm means to undress like a, um, uh, it's a military term. So if an officer was to be undressed, stripped of all his authority and all of his power, and he is saying right here, these principalities and powers, these are rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm. And he's saying that they would be stripped of all their authority. and that they would be made a public spectacle as he is triumphing over them, as he comes and right in front of their faces overcomes their authority. He's helping us to see that judgment would come not only to Satan and to his kingdom, but to everyone that is aligned in that place with the enemy. <clears throat> Let's go back to John 14 um, on page, I'm sorry, John 16 on page 1244. Jesus is saying these very powerful things to his disciples, and then he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So Jesus is telling them that these things are going to happen and that the helper, the Holy Spirit, will give the authority and will cause the conviction and will cause this to happen using them. 
And then he goes on to say right here in verse 13, he says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truths. And he's saying, in other words, you don't have to figure these things out and how this is going to be. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He will use you. He will put in your mind. He will put in your understanding. He will put in your mouth the words that needed to be said. And that he will speak. You see, it says, and he will not speak on his own authority. In other words, he will put words in your mouth that he will be saying. The Holy Spirit will use you in these places to bring about these understandings. But he will use through you to the world. And he will bring to your understanding and guide you in these ways of truth. But he also will place in your mouth these understandings and words. And it says, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come, things that you do not know. But he will place them in your mouth. He will tell you the things that are to come. He will tell you the things that need to have authority at this, at this very moment. He will place them in your mouth. These are some of the things Paul talks about when he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit these places of wisdom, these places of knowledge, these places of uh, discerning spirits that he places inside of you to use that the Holy Spirit might convict someone of where they are. Then verse 14 says, He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So he's saying the Holy Spirit will declare what everything I've taught you, he will declare it to you because it will come and glorify him. Verse 15 says, All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it of you. In other words, the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're all one. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't declare anything on its own. And this is such a powerful understanding right here because sometimes people will say, well, God told me such and such. And, um, and the Holy Spirit helps me right there. And, and I can see that what they're saying doesn't align with God's word. And so it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit. That, well, it's not the Holy Spirit that they're hearing from if it doesn't align with God's word. You see, that's what he's saying right here. All things that the Father has are mine. All his truths, all his understandings, all his ways. Therefore, I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take of mine and declare to you. So when someone says, God speaks to me, the, what they're referring to is that the Holy Spirit is saying something to them. But if the Holy Spirit is saying something to you, it has to align with the words of Jesus and the words of the Father. If it's not, it's an angel of light. It's the enemy trying to deceive you. And you need to be very aware. Anytime God talks to you, it has to align with his truth. 
turn with me to 1 John. It's on page 1400. Chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. So the very thing that John is writing here is about this place we were just talking, and he's saying, do not believe every spirit that comes and talks to you. But test the spirits, whether they are of God. How do you test them? By his word. And he says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You see, they believed something that was not of God. And so we see that in, in the world that oftentimes there are uh, people that are teaching untruths, things that are not biblical. They're false teachings. They're false prophets. And they're teaching something that doesn't align with God's word. Verse 2 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. You see, the entire word of God, his word, his Bible, confesses that Jesus <clears throat> came in the flesh and is of God. You know, Jesus says, every word is about me. That's what he's saying. He's saying if you need to test something, it needs to align with my word because everything testifies that I am God. That I came in the flesh, that we are one. The God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. I love that verse too because you can see that all come together there. You see it says, by this you know the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. And that every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. It's got God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit all connected, all in oneness. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians, page 1331, a few pages back. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 while you're turning there what I want you to see is that this Holy Spirit as it convicts it drives you to repentance so as it convicts of sin it drives you to repentance that you might receive the righteousness of Jesus. 
and that you would no longer fall under the judgment designated for the enemy. Chapter 7, verse 10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. So this place of conviction, it leads you to godly sorrow. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But it produces this place of repentance. And repentance is turning from your sins, not just being sorry. And so this place right here, it says, but sorrow of the world produces death. So there are so many times when people will say, I am just so sorry I did this. And I've been guilty of that place myself. of saying, I'm so sorry I did this, that I walked in this sin. But it has no value in my life unless I'm willing to align with the Holy Spirit and turn from that sin. So just saying you're sorry has no value at all. In fact, Paul says it, it produces death. But godly sorrow, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit, leads us to true repentance, a decision, a choice. I'm not going to align with this anymore. I'm done with aligning with the sin, with the enemy. I'm done with this place and, and turns you. I want to leave you with the last few verses, but as we turn there, um, chapter, let's see, 1 Corinthians on page 13:15 This place of understanding the Holy Spirit and coming to when Jesus says he's going to leave you with a helper, one that would walk alongside of you, one that would be with you in every situation. You know, sometimes um, we've remember the scripture. Let me think. I think it's in John. Hold your hold your marker right here, and let me see if I can locate a scripture for you. I'm not sure where it is, but, um, oh, thank you, Lord. 
Don't you just love when something comes and appears? <laughs> Thank you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit right there. When he comes and walks alongside of us and leads us into truth. And so when you say, thank you, Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit is his spirit. When you say, thank you, God, the Holy Spirit is his spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that comes. So this right here is in chapter 14 of John. You don't have to turn there. But it says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. You see, the understanding of this, the reason the greater works is because the Holy Spirit has come and lived in us. It's not just one person, Jesus, walking among some people. But rather, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at all times. So, Adam, he can be working in my life right now, but he's working in your life if you will allow it. At the same time, he's working in your life, Teresa, at the same time, if you would come and receive what he is doing. So the reason that it's greater works doesn't mean that we're going to go out and do things that Jesus was never capable of doing, that's absurd. But what it does mean is that the Holy Spirit working through the body of Christ produces what in the flesh was not capable. Because Jesus was only with the ones he was with. But with the Holy Spirit, he is able to work his spirit. But it's the same spirit. as You have to see that. It's God, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, all in one, working inside of you to convict you, to help you to understand righteousness, to understand judgment, and to be used as he desires to love the world. You see, one of the things I saw as I was studying this is this is the greatest love that Jesus would say, it is to your advantage that I leave because the Holy Spirit is going to be with you all the time, everywhere you go. He's available. If we could grab hold of that. I want to leave you with these last few scriptures. I, I have a ton of them, but we won't look at all of them. But we were on chapter uh, 6 of 1 Corinthians, verse 19. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. It's on page 1315. I'm sorry. Or do you not know 
that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Ah, this is so powerful. I don't believe that the disciples fully understood what Jesus was saying to them at this point in time that he's talking to them. But in a few days, when they go to Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit comes in power and authority, they begin to understand he lives inside of us. And his working and his doing is all God living inside of you. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? That the Holy Spirit is convicting us today of things that are not appropriate for the Holy Spirit to live in. Turn with me back to chapter 3, just a few pages back, or one page back, actually, and verse 16. So 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Oh, it just says the same thing. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? It says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. He's saying, don't be foolish about this place. Are you... Are you defiling the temple where God lives? I wanted to look at Acts 2. It's on page 1254. Verse 38, it says, And then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then turn a few pages over to chapter 5, verse 31. Uh, Let's start with, yes, Uh, start with 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And we are his witnesses to these things, and all, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. 
the Holy Spirit of God given to those who obey him. The last one we'll look at is Galatians 4, 6. It's on page 1340. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Then it says in verse 7, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. As I was studying this, I, um, I loved seeing this place and, and being reminded of the Holy Spirit and, and its place to come and convict us and the great love that Father God has for us that he would send us a helper that would convict us but every time he convicts us we have a choice and every time we have a choice we can either align with the Spirit of God or we can grieve the Holy Spirit and align with the enemy every single choice So I love that you would join me today looking at these scriptures of this helper and I pray that you would be reminded as you leave here today that Jesus, he was going away. He did go away, but he did not leave us without someone. He didn't leave us orphaned. He left us with a helper, one that would walk alongside of you to help you to convict you, to teach you of his righteousness, that you might not find yourself in judgment. Stand with me, please.
like the rain, saturated.